You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father, we pray now that you would speak through my all too imperfect and feeble lips to those you have gathered here today for their edification and for your glory in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. What comes to your mind when you hear words like that? If you were just to read those words in isolation, perhaps you'd think about the overbearing parent, the overprotective parent that doesn't want their child to go out into the big, bad, dangerous world. And so over and over again, they find reasons to keep that child at home as much as humanly possible. Or maybe if you were to read those words in isolation, you would think about, oh, the endless love songs that depict one's obsession with a lover that they can no longer have. There is an awful lot of those. One of the more famous ones that comes to mind is, of course, the police's Every Breath You Take. If you think of the words to that song, that song is super creepy. I mean, the, the melody's awesome. I love the melody. I love the sound. And the drummer is second to none. But every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you, is a little weird. It's a little much. But nevertheless, when I think of the imagery of a hen wanting to gather her chicks under her wings, it's understandable that things like that would come to mind. But of course, that is not at all what Jesus is talking about in our gospel for today. Now, I think if I was going to picture it in sort of an experience one might have today, I would picture a couple of parents sitting across from a pastor in agony with maybe tear-stained cheeks beginning to explain that they're at their wit's end with their daughter because their daughter, well, is addicted to heroin and has left the home and is dancing for the little bit of money that she can get to support her habit. And no matter what they've done, no matter how much love they've extended to her, no matter how much grace they have offered to her, she seems to have no interest in going to the home of the people that love her. I think of a father crying out in the midst of that meeting, why won't she come home? Doesn't she know we love her? How often I would have gathered your children together under my wings. Why? Why is that? I'm not telling an unfamiliar story here. This is something that happens. Why would it be that someone would reject the love of their family? Or why would it be, on a broader scale, that Jerusalem 
for that matter, the world would reject God's offer of protection and love and care under the shelter of his wings. Why? Well, in my experience as a pastor for 15 years and a church planter in New York City that started that effort by talking to complete strangers every day for a year and a half, attempting to talk to them about Jesus, from what I could see of those who did not have any interest in the Christian faith, did not have any interest in the offer of coming under the wings of the Lord, so to speak, I have to say it is all about control. At least a perceived idea of control. My, my old friend Dave Zoll has said that the opposite of faith isn't so much doubt as it is control. You certainly see that in the gospel that was read this morning. You, you see a fear of losing control over, over one's kingdom from people like Herod. Herod is on the move against Jesus, and Jesus is warned about it, and Jesus doesn't seem to be worried. Jesus tells Herod, that fox can't do anything to me. And he does the same thing to Pilate. When crucifixion is hanging in the balance, Pilate says, don't you know I have the power to kill you? And Jesus sort of chuckles and says, <laughs> you don't have any power unless it's given to you. And, and yes, such a response when death is hanging in the balance is a threat to those who have the authority to do such a thing. It always has been, not just in the life of Jesus, but in the life of his church. When death is no longer feared, well, yeah, it makes those in authority nervous because what might they do? If they're not afraid of the ultimate weapon we have, what are they afraid of? And yet it's easy to kind of bring, bring up the Herods or the Pilots or the, the, the various rulers of the world who have fought against Christians and, and ended up not being able to defeat this movement some 2,000 years later. But the reality is each of us have our own little kingdoms. Each of us make ourselves believe that we're more sovereign than we are. If you don't believe that, just try raising a toddler at two years old. Sovereign, at least in their mind. So yeah, there's a threat to our sense of control when Jesus comes and says, no, 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 you need to come under my wings. And of course, there's a fear of control of losing control over our religion. That was certainly the case with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other sects around Judaism of the time in Jerusalem. I'm not telling any tales out of school when I note that the most religious people were the most offended at Jesus. And why was that? Why is it that the pure and the righteous, on, at least on the outside, seem to have a problem with them? Well, it's real simple. Jesus comes around dishing out grace willy-nilly to a bunch of people that have no business getting it. Prostitutes and tax collectors and people that had soiled their lives. I mean, after all, didn't he see the proper uniforms that we here were wearing? How was he not acknowledging the way that we, that we hold ourselves together when we pray? Instead, no, no, he's bringing people in to pray with him that haven't darkened the door of a church for a whole long time. And so, yes, that gives us a little fear because we, well, you know, Jesus, we've been at this for a long time and you're upsetting the apple cart. The great 
priest and theologian Robert Capon pictures the prayer of a religious person with a heart averse to simply resting in the grace of God. Here is his prayer, listen. Lord, please restore to us the comfort of merit and demerit. Show us that there is at least something we can do. Tell us that at the end of the day, there will at least be one redeeming card of our very own. Lord, if it is not too much to ask, send us to bed with a few shreds of self-respect upon which we can congratulate ourselves. But whatever you do, do not preach grace. Give us something to do, anything, but spare us the indignity of this indiscriminate acceptance. But of course, all of these things, a fear of losing control over our kingdom or losing control over our religion, is really just a way of saying we fear losing control over our lives. Now it was the, the daughter's turn to sit across from the pastor after weeks of begging from her parents. She finally gave in and decided that she would at least meet with him one time. And by this time, she was not only addicted to heroin, she was addicted to meth to kind of get up in the morning and then heroin to go to bed at night. She couldn't really dance anymore because she was so skinny and weak, no one wanted her. She had marks on her face and basically looked like a skeleton of the person that she once was. Her beauty had faded dramatically. And as the pastor interacted with this young lady in a sort of exasperated tone, at one point he said, why won't you just go home to your folks? Why won't you, why won't you trust that Jesus has the power to save you, to forgive you? And the pastor could tell by her response that she still had no interest in hearing this because there was the oh-so-subtle rolling of the eyes at the mention of Jesus. And then she burst out and said, I'm really living. That's why. I'm not living a fake life in the suburbs. I don't need the white picket fence. I'm right where I want to be. And if that means I die this way, so be it. Oh, never underestimate the power of the human being to hold on to control. And yet, of course, of course, we all know that this whole business about our being in control is ultimately an illusion. We've all heard it. At any moment, we could walk out and be hit by a bus or pick up a life-altering disease. Our kids could rebel in heinous, unimaginable ways, just like the parents I've referenced in this message and then we're forced to recognize why we each need to live under his wings in the first place. His reign over our lives, it turns out, is the only actual safe place to be. Because under his wings are, is the only place that we actually have shelter from the storm. Because he alone has the power to shelter us from certain death. 
because he alone has gone to the greatest of lengths to do so. To place you under the spread of his wings, he first had to spread out his arms on a cross. To give you shelter from that which would consume you, he had to be consumed himself by the fire of wrath in your stead. To give you hope of eternal life, he needed to be raised himself for your justification to provide you the forgiveness that you so desperately need each and every day he had to become your sin. A couple times I've referenced this young lady and I'm happy to tell you that the end of this story is a good one. She did eventually recognize that the life that she was calling freedom was in fact bondage she came, as AA says, to an end of herself and crawled desperately under the wings of her Savior. I've seen this time and time and time again, not only in my own experience just as a sinner that is saved by a holy God that needs to crawl under the wings every single day because somehow or another I find a way of scurrying away. But I've seen it with so many. So many like this, this woman. In closing, I, I want to tell you briefly about my friend Caesar. He was a member of my congregation back some years ago always well-dressed, always put together, beautiful voice. In my experience with Caesar, that's what I knew. And then one day I got a call from a friend of Caesar's saying, you better go visit him. He's in the hospital and he's not in good shape. He went on a bender and it's not looking good. Well, up until that point, I had no idea that Caesar would go on a bender. I didn't even know he drank. But of course, I went. By that time, he was headed to a halfway house, and he was going to go there to recover. And when I showed up, he was shaking violently because of the detox that he was going through, and his hair was messy, and his clothes were tattered. He didn't look anything like the man that I was used to seeing. And we talked a little bit about his experience, and he opened up and confessed all of the struggles that he had had. And he told me, even up until the moment I showed up, that all he was thinking about was just the opportunity to get one more drink because he knew it would help, it would be the cure. But when I walked in, suddenly he felt a wave of repentance come over him. Suddenly, suddenly, it's as if, although he didn't say it at the time, the offer of coming under the wings of the father hen, as Johnny Cash says, seemed like the best possible place to be. At one point I said, Caesar, would it be okay if we shared communion together? And I'll never forget the sound of his voice. I've never really been able to replicate it, but, but it was the most desperate sound. He said, yes. And shortly after, I sat across from him and I got to say the words of institution directly to him with the all too important words, for you the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. For you and the forgiveness of all of your sins, past, present, and yes, future, 
the blood of Jesus Christ. I had one of these little cups with me and I was used to handing it off to the person I was communing. But he was shaking so badly that I knew he would spill it. And so I grabbed his hand and together we lifted it up to his mouth. And at that moment, he crawled under the wings of the father hen once again, sheltered from the storm, saved, forgiven. And thanks be to God, that is what Jesus Christ gives to each in every one of us through faith in him. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.